Thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights, a podcast by Lumina Health Partners. In this series, host Daniel J. Marino, managing partner of Lumina, talks to top experts and thought leaders in healthcare to help you navigate on the journey to value-based care in the ever-changing landscape of the industry. The goal of this series is to bring you disruptive success strategies by leveraging Lumina's experiences, stories, and insights from working with health professionals and organizations across the country. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to invite you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think about the episode and any questions that are top of mind. Now let's get started. Welcome to Value-Based Care Insights. I'm your host, Daniel Marino. In today's episode, we have a great topic of discussion. It's one that is gaining a lot of interest in hospitals and health systems, and that's operational effectiveness. Many healthcare organizations and hospitals, of course, as you know, we've talked about time and time again in this program, were really focused for many months to manage the COVID activities that were occurring within their organization. And really over the last probably six or nine months, it seems like not only they've been focusing on managing COVID, but they really have been focusing more on managing the impacts from the pandemic. And some of those impacts relate to challenges with the workforce or wage inflation, which is a big one right now, or even trying to determine ways to reduce costs. And we can't reduce costs by cutting FTEs. We can't do that anymore. Many organizations went that route because they had to, especially when COVID was really a challenge and a lot of our elective procedures were significantly scaled back. But now as an industry, we find ourselves in a position where we're really understaffed. So many organizations are trying to determine ways to create, let's say, more efficiencies within their operations as a means of reducing costs or trying to put in place some change management to get used to the new norm that, frankly, we're seeing in all of our healthcare organizations and really our healthcare industry. So I have a great guest today who has tremendous amount of experience in operational effectiveness. Kate Geick is a certified black belt in Lean and Six Sigma, worked with Kate for many years. Kate has had a lot of experience in process improvement, change management, project management, and really working with organizations to help them think about how they can run their operations different. Very excited to have her today. Kate, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. I feel like I've been part of the Lumina team for a long time, following all the stuff coming out of the Lumina Insights. So really excited to be part of it now. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Maybe we could start with kind of describing what operational effectiveness is. Many organizations are looking to this. It, you know, I think it's more than just a buzzword. I think it's more than just a trend. It does have some real life consequences and opportunities associated with it. Why don't you describe for us a little bit on what operational effectiveness is? Yeah, I think a lot of organizations are starting to do components of this. And when you think about it, a lot of effort is going into collecting data and creating dashboards and reviewing them. But I think with operational effectiveness, it goes beyond just reviewing the data, creating large reports. I think it's really putting all of our heads and hands together and figuring out how can we make these improvements in the areas that they're looking at and using the lean methodologies and change management and getting the right people involved to activate those changes. 
And I think, like you said before, cutting FTE is just not going to do it anymore. And staff are experiencing burnout and fatigue. They're, especially with the pandemic, they're going above and beyond their jobs and doing a lot more hours than they, they're used to doing. And if we can step in and make some processes more efficient, their lives are going to be so much easier. Their Absolutely. day-to-day work is going to be a lot more enjoyable. So any type of waste we can reduce in their day-to-day processes, that's going to help them a lot and ultimately improve the quality of care for patients. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I hear often from healthcare organizations, we've done a lot of work over the years with improving, say, revenue cycle or helping to improve front-end operations in a clinic. One of the most common things I hear from folks when I ask them, well, why do you do it this way? The answer I hear time and time again is that's because this is the way we've always done it. So to kind of put in new perspectives and saying, well, you know, maybe there's a better way to do it, I think really lends itself to not only thinking about ways to become more efficient, but your outcomes have to be better, right? Yes. I think the thing with operational effectiveness is you really need to figure out what the goals are, what the timeline is, but ultimately what's the outcome, you know, that you're looking for and measuring that on a regular basis to see if you're making improvements. Cause sometimes you think something's going to make improvements and it just doesn't. And you really need to be patient and things take time. So like not give up and pivot as you go. I think that's really important. I agree. Let's say an organization is thinking about improving some of their processes, you know, making themselves more efficient. Give some examples of where, let's say, organizations may start or maybe where you've seen some real results in changing processes, certain departments or something like that. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake people make now is, I mean, if you can identify areas that need help and improvement, it's everything. (laughs) And it's just not possible to go after everything. And I think people really need to take a step back and figure out what is the scope and narrow it down to something really specific. And then also setting realistic goals. Because even if you look at emergency departments and simply saying, we need to make our department better, or we need to reduce the length of stay, that's too broad. I think they really need to figure out. I think the biggest thing that I do is to do a value stream mapping exercise where they can map out exactly from the beginning to the end, who is involved, what actions or tasks are happening in every part of that process. And then kind of putting the red stickers and say, these are the pain points. And this is where the waste happens. Let's investigate a little bit more and then attack that one at a time. So so as an example, you brought up ED. Maybe we can work through that for a few minutes. So with the emergency department, I guess you've got you've got a, a lot of influences there, right? So you have patients who are presenting themselves. So I, I would think triage would be a big part of that. The input and the information you're getting from patients would be a big part of that. How you're interacting with, say, nurses, if there's behavioral health in the ED, all of that would probably be a big influence on that. 
Talk a little bit about maybe using the ED example, how operational effectiveness and some of the techniques that you just mentioned would come into play. Yeah, I think the biggest thing I've seen would be around admitted patients. I think when the decision is made to admit a patient for whatever reason or getting surgery or something like that, the length of stay is going to increase significantly. Maybe beds are not available. Maybe there's no space to put them in for surgeries. And I think where people make a mistake is that this is now going beyond the emergency department. So we're involving people now in the lab, radiology, in the OR. You need to get the right people involved. And I think that is the most important thing that I can highlight here is that getting the right people involved and having that conversation and doing the value stream mapping together as a team is really important. When you're doing value stream mapping, do not make any assumptions. Make sure that it's backed up by what's happening in real life. I see all the time that people have SOP, standard operating procedures, where they have the process flow documented already. But then when I talk to people in real life, it's a little bit different and that can make a big difference. So Sometimes I do value stream mapping based on what they've documented and then what's happening in real life because it could be very different. So my advice here is to make sure you get the right people involved and really think about what's happening now in real life instead of making assumptions or using information that's been documented in the past. So as you're talking about that, it sort of brings to mind what I've talked about for many, many years, and it's the integration of people, process, and technology. So as you start to think about how that comes together, you're really leveraging all three of those areas to create some operational efficiencies. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit in terms of you know how the data fits in. And I guess the other question I'm going to ask you is then how does culture fit into all of that? Organizations are collecting data constantly, creating dashboards and doing analytics. But I think where people lack is doing proper benchmark and not only just national benchmark, but maybe looking into other organizations that are similar to your organization. I think that's where the gap is. People don't really know how to start with comparing themselves with the right type of organization. Because if I'm a small, you know, hospital or emergency department, maybe I can't, you know, compare myself with the biggest emergency department in the U.S. It's a little bit different, right? Their staffing levels might be different. Their experience is different. Their expertise and specialties might be different. So I think that's important. And I think uh, the second part you mentioned with culture, for me, this is the most important thing. You can have the best technology, you can have the best technical solution, but without the role of people, you're just not going to have a successful project. You're not going to meet the outcomes you need. You really need people's commitment and buy-in and that positive culture and attitude in order to make any type of change. And not only that, but to sustain them. Right. So the data the approaches you take for process improvement, and then combining that with the change management approaches, I think do a couple of things for you, right? It probably gets people bought into what needs to occur and probably excited about it. But 
it also, I, I guess, as I'm thinking about this, supports more of the long-term changes that are going to be required. And you know, when you think about process improvement, it's certainly not a start and stop, right? It's a journey and it should be continuous and it should be something that you kind of push yourself as an organization to get better and to continuously achieve. I think, you know, certainly those elements of change management become really critical in putting in that approach and making sure that you're yeah. continuously challenging yourself for improvement. Yeah. And I think with that part, what I want to talk about here a little bit is Often in an organization, decisions get made during C-suite meetings, board meetings, and people kind of higher positions getting together and making these decisions. But at the end of the day, a lot of the activation is going to happen with frontline staff, nurse managers. There are critical roles that have to be involved in the planning and the decision-making Because I feel for these people, if I'm a nurse going into work and all of a sudden somebody comes in and tells me to do something different, there's no explanation as to why, there's no explanation as to timeline or the impact this is going to make. It's really important to get people involved in those conversations. And yeah, I I think this is just like from time to time, I see this happen everywhere and it's such a problem. Well, in your people, you know, the more they're involved, the more they're going to be, you know, really bought into the process and they're going to, they're going to own it. And frankly, and I think you bring up a great point. This is their livelihood. And this is the way that they've done things for years and years and years. Frankly, they're the experts in this area. So if we're going to be in, I don't want to say redesigning, but let's say we're going to be enhancing the clinical workflow process, whether it's the ED or it's in, um, let's say, surgical OR operations. You have to engage the right people at the right levels in order to drive a lot of the change. Yeah, I feel like for operational effectiveness, I do agree that data is important and using the lean tools and methodologies, that would be important but I don't want people to forget about the role of people. I think without the people, it's just not possible. Yeah, great point, great point. So let's talk a little bit about outcomes. You've been part of many projects before and many organizations who've sort of moved forward with process improvement and putting in place some operational effectiveness initiatives. What have you seen in terms of ROI or the, let's say the financial impact to these organizations? Because at the end of the day, that's, I mean, that's an important piece of why we're doing this. Right. I think the impact will be different, obviously, depending on what part of the hospital or the clinic or what area department you're looking at. And like I said earlier about the scope. So if you're looking at, you know, maybe peri-op opportunities, it might be, you know, improving first case start times, getting more efficient um, turnaround times or um, getting more smart around scheduling. Maybe with ED, it might be reducing length of stay for admitted patients. It could be anything. Just be really clear about your scope and what your benchmarks and your goals are. And then realistic timeline of when you can start to see those improvements. I don't want people to get discouraged when they're not seeing improvements. Things take time. There are a lot of people involved. So, you know, be patient, be persistent, be excited and um, keep going. So when I'm talking to 
folks around the country, and again, as I mentioned in my opening comments, I'm hearing more and more organizations and operations folks really looking towards operational effectiveness as a way to, you know, to reduce costs and maybe even improve their overall profitability. There's been three areas that have sort of come to the top as, as key areas to start. I think one you've been mentioning, you know, ED improvements, that's been a big one. Surgery efficiencies and, and certainly the OR and perioperative efficiencies is another big one, right? Because a large amount of the revenue coming through an organization occurs through the OR. And obviously that generates a lot of cost. Um, so that to me is a really big area of focus. Plus there are so many points of entry and individuals and, and departments involved that I think that would just be an area ripe for opportunity. And then the third, I think would be revenue cycle. You know, it just seems to me logically, for instance, the denial management process, <laughs> totally. um, again, just a great opportunity because it affects revenue and it affects cost. Are you seeing the same thing as, as you're talking to and working with organizations? Yeah, I think um, especially for the Lumina team, we've been doing a lot of work around revenue cycle and there are a lot of quick wins. And I think doing assessments is really quick at a high level and you can quickly find a lot of the low hanging fruit or the quick wins. And we're seeing improvements in those areas fairly quickly compared to maybe some other, you know, initiatives that might take a lot more effort to move the needle. Right. And as you're kind of talking about that, I had an opportunity to, to talk to one leader not too long ago, and it was a vice president of, of operations within this, this health system. And one of the things that she had said to me was, look, we are aspiring to become a high performing organization. I would think as you're starting to think about ways of improving your operations, benchmarking yourself, having the best possible clinical financial operational outcomes that you can, that's the path you have to take to becoming a high performing organization. Yeah, for sure. I think obviously quality of care and patient safety comes before everything else. But in terms of looking at different initiatives, it might be smart to kind of prioritize areas where you're losing a lot of money because that could be something that could be fixed quite quickly. Right, right. So as organizations are thinking about this, and especially some of our leaders um, or listeners that are, that are on the call here today, they may be thinking to themselves, wow, this sounds really good. I don't believe I have the resources internally, or, or maybe I do. Where would they start or where do they look to finding the resources to at least, if anything, at least begin to kind of think about this as, a, as an opportunity for their organization? Um, I think it's important for healthcare organizations to build internal capabilities with lean and change management. And I'm really happy to see that a lot of organizations actually have dedicated teams and expertise with lean, but some of the organizations are not quite there yet. And if they don't have the budget or the time or whatever it is to get to that place, start small, educate yourself, do some research around what lean is, what change management is, and maybe practice with just small tools, couple of the tools, and see if that is a good place to start and get people involved maybe reward your top performers and send them to training. 
and get them more responsibilities beyond just doing um, patient care. Some people are really good at project management and change management, even though um, they're clinical staff. So maybe identify your key players who would be interested and would be good at leading these initiatives because without designating people who are championing this, it's going to be really hard to make any type of change happen. And especially for sustainability part of it, it's just not going to be easy. Yeah, I agree. And I think the key thing is you have to have some people, at least internally in the organization, who understand um, and probably have been trained in and lean and, and Six Sigma, I think you can bring in experts from the outside to lead the process. But at the end of the day, as we've talked about, this has to be a, a philosophy of continuous improvement. You're building a culture of change around that continuous improvement. So I would think to invest in those resources internally would certainly pay some huge dividends. And then I can't help but think the ROI that comes from these projects could be quite substantial. Yeah. And not, I think when people think of ROI, they think financial, but I think you might also want to think about how this is going to impact satisfaction of the providers, the physicians, the the staff, as well as the patients. When things are going smoothly, you can feel it, you can see it. And I think the satisfaction will improve significantly as well. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay. This is great. I really hope organizations give this some thought. Operational effectiveness appears to be a trend that is not going to slow down. But like with many other trends that occur in healthcare, the devil's in the details. And you really have to look at where in your organization creating this level of operational efficiency makes the most sense and really where it where it's going to create probably the biggest financial as well as say, you know, clinical outcome performance for your organization. In closing, any other final thoughts you may give to our listeners, especially for those that are, let's say, considering this for their organization? Yeah, I think when we talk about operational effectiveness, it could sound pretty intense, could be kind of scary. People might not know where to start, but start small. Any type of effort that goes into this will make an impact. Maybe try one small initiative, one pilot for one day, and see how that goes. So start small and think about the sustainability part as well. Yeah, great advice. Small and impactful. That's what I say. Well, Kate, this was great. And I'm sure our listeners really appreciated this as as much as I have. Love to uh, invite you back again. Maybe we can take a deep dive on one or a few of these examples. I think it would provide some great education for our listeners. Yeah, that sounds good. Thanks for having me, Dan. Great. Thank you. So in closing, you know, again, operational effectiveness is really picking up a lot of steam, but but it is because it's allowing healthcare organizations an opportunity to not just reduce cost, but to make themselves perform better and really meet the needs of their patients, of their physicians, of their staff and hopefully provides a different opportunity to address some of these issues that we're experiencing within our organizations. For more information on this topic today, or maybe if you wanted to reach out to Kate directly, her email address is kgeik, K-G-E-I-C-K, 
at luminahp.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I'm Daniel Marino. We want to thank you for listening to Value-Based Care Insights Podcast by Lumina Health Partners. Lumina is your partner on a journey to value-based care and all the pivots and challenges our industry faces daily. To learn more about us, visit us on LuminaHP.com. If you found value in today's conversation, subscribe to us on all major podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify, and leave us feedback. Be sure to check out our show notes at LuminaHP.com insights. Join us again where we continue to take a deep dive into what lies ahead and invite conversations with some of our colleagues and industry thought leaders on new trends that are emerging and how we continue to navigate and thrive. Until then, have a great day and stay safe.